Thank you. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. There's no business like show business. Oh, in a way, here we go. Oh, that's better. Are, are we recording? I hope so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello again. And welcome to the art. Don't, don't edit that out. That's fun. What was that? The, don't, are you we, that are we recording? Yeah, don't you think that's fun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello again, and welcome to the art and business of community theater, also known as the Monroe Community Players Podcast, featuring the Green Room Groupies. I'm your de facto host, David Warren. Looking around the green room today, I see Kathleen McBee, Ron Roberts, Robert Yeoman. Brian Burchard Ross. Yes, and so uh, those of you who listened to last episode met Kathleen already, so if you haven't, you're wondering who she is, go back to last episode and listen in, um, but we're glad to have you again for yet another episode. I'll quick Happy New Year to everybody. I think by the time this broadcast, it'll be the new year, mm-hmm. um, so we're all excited that 2023 came and... <laughs> You know, we're here. Uh, presumably, that everything the world the world is still in one let's piece. Let's hope we're still here. Um, yeah. Uh, let's let's hope that we uh, this. You know, I'm not speaking to us from some great beyond, um, <laughs> but you never know. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to attack this with the same vigors with everything else and try to make sure it's a, you know, if it's our last show that it's our best show. <laughs> um, but so with that, we're going to uh, talk about once again, I think last episode, I teased everybody with the idea that Brian has been out on assignment. He's been going to see shows here and near and far everywhere. Last week he saw a show in, or last week, last episode, he reported on a show he saw in Toledo, Ohio. Today we get to hear about the first of three shows that he saw in New York city, Ooh. the big apple itself. Um, so Brian, your pick of which show you want to tell us about. And we know your memory is failing <laughs> <laughs> as you said. So, so make it the one you want to talk about the most. All right. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Standing here in Times Square. No. Um, honk, honk. <laughs> yeah. I'm walking here. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Which one do I want to start with? Uh, all three shows we saw in New York were great. So let's go with, since I talked about Tootsie in the last episode, I want to start with the first one we saw, which was Hadestown. Okay. Uh, which is was the polar opposite of Tootsie. Hades Town was a phenomenal uh, musical with such original and creative and beautifully done music. Uh, a, a, most of it was, uh, most of it's very uh, New Orleans, very uh, that, that, that southern sort of jazz in that uh the gentleman who played uh hades had a voice that even james earl jones would have said i i can't go i can't talk that deep i mean it just resonated throughout that theater uh it the it's the story of um orpheus and uh I should have brought the you really yes thank you uh and uh how orpheus has to get her back from hades after she's you know been taken um and uh uh it, it, it uh, the the lady who was in uh and the funny thing about that is the the lady who played hermes yeah hermes right the mercury the yes yes the, hermes the courier of the god I, i'm starting to get confused with a different word um anyway uh, Hermes uh, was actually a, uh, a 
Tony Award winning um, actress that we saw in a musical, my husband and I saw in the very, very first time we ever went and saw a Broadway musical uh, called The Life, uh, which was also one that I just absolutely fell in love with. Her voice was, again, amazing. You said, is she playing Hermes? Yes. Interesting. It was, it was, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she was playing Hermes, um, and uh, she was the narrator, really much uh, of, of the piece. Uh, the set was probably uh, just as jaw dropping to me as the music was. Um, it 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 was very much uh, kind of a, a semi circle circular stage, uh, and in fact, uh, I was going to suggest, um, Captain, that if uh, I could send you some of those pictures of the stage, and when these people are listening to it, we could post it on the sure. on the podcast uh, so not. they could see what we're talking about. Uh, but it starts off, and it looks like it's in a in a what do they call what did they used to call those that they that down in down in the south when they go listen to the jazz because it had to be hidden from like a speakeasy like speakeasies yeah you know it's almost like one of those old-fashioned speakeasies when the whole thing starts and the narrator introduces you know the characters and the and the whole bit and uh as at by the end of act one um and if anybody doesn't want to hear this now's the time to to walk away i don't think it's a huge spoiler but um by the end of act one the middle it's, it has one of those stages that has the circle that'll rotate but then it has an inner circle that rotates the other way so that you know you've got all these actors as they're singing walking one way and the other and then you've got that dead center circle which when people are are taken into hell it drops Ooh. and it and we were in the mezzanine which i found out was the perfect place to be for this because you can really see that effect much better than being on the main floor because you watch their faces as they're looking up and, and they're dropping and it looks so the inside of it looked like just one metal industrial tube and then these red lights flashed up as they're going down and it i mean it it was chilling it oh my was gosh just, i got goosebumps yeah it was goosebumps. one of the the coolest things i've ever seen on on a, on a stage uh and then also uh when sometimes when they would get on that circle it would rise up as well so they'd be elevated above uh everyone else certain characters um but then after uh orpheus um makes it into hell which is towards the end of act one this speakeasy breaks apart and and it's in three pieces and the two middle pieces move to the side and all of a sudden these lights then there was i can't tell you how many but there were a ton of lights powerful as all get out that just slammed right into you uh in that almost almost searing our eye sockets i mean it was that powerful and for a moment you're just taken aback and uh and then it's all it's almost looks like a, a an industrial it's all industrial it's all it's it's and that's their version you know that was their version of hell Wow. It was phenomenal. The staging was phenomenal. The music was phenomenal. Uh, it was absolutely everything a musical on Broadway or even touring, because now it's touring, should be. It was unique. It was different. It was not vanilla. It was a nice, deep, dark chocolate, <laughs> you know, sort of sort of uh, a piece of music. Um, I, I, For me personally... I would say that uh, I would put it right up there with uh, now with one of with all of my all time favorites uh, like Rent and Jesus Christ Superstar and and uh, you know a lot of those because 
it was unique. The music was something I had never heard before in a musical. It was just different. It's, and that's what we're always talking about. We've talked about jukebox musicals. We've talked about these musicals that come from movies and televisions. And, and this was, I mean, granted, the story comes from an ancient story, mm-hmm. but uh, it was new. It was different. Uh, like Hamilton. It was just something you'd never seen before. Highly, highly, highly recommend Hadestown. So, Sorry, I didn't see it. Did you research any of this to know any backstory or any of the music? Or do you go into this kind of show cold? I go... And- I, I go into the only I, I go into every musical cold. Now I know uh, Bob and Dave here uh, listen to a lot of of mu- the musicals when they come out. You listen to a lot of the music. I can't do that for the most part because to me it's like if I'm not seeing the story, if I'm not, it, it normally doesn't. With one exception that and that for me has been Rent. Rent. I listened to that music before. I loved it. I fell in love with it before I saw the show. But that's been the only one. Other times I'll listen to music, and, and even Hamilton, I tried to listen to it, and I'm like, I don't know what this, what's going on here. Um, but once you see it, then it's like, okay, now do I want that music or not? And uh, yeah, I've ordered the, I've ordered the CD for Hades Town because I would listen to that over and over. Yeah, and I, I agree with the Hamilton, um, and maybe it's because my age, and just not being into that, you know, the style of music. Um, but I. When I listen to Hamilton by itself, it doesn't work for me. But when I've watched Hamilton, it made a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. because the action helped to tell the story. So the words I wasn't quite catching um, in the, in the rap and stuff when when they got going pretty fast, um, yeah. it just didn't work for me. Um, and like I say, we I know Bob listens. Bob listens probably more musicals than I can think of. Um, in fact, I'll sometimes take Bob's <laughs> uh, suggestions, say, "Oh, listen to this one." But part of it is just kind of get an idea of what's coming down the road. Um, yeah. But but on, on occasion, though, you find a show that you really it's like. Okay, when this one comes out, we want to be ready for um, because there's there's several musicals I've listened to that I, it's like I really want to do this if we can, you know, if the rights come out. Yeah. But this Hades Town sounds exciting. Um, very exciting. I per, I didn't get to see it in Detroit myself. Um, uh, I, mean, I wonder how they you know if they did the sinking and everything. I that makes me wonder too. Is like, dude, can they only take it to places that have those? Because I know the Fisher. Or how do they restage it? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Actually, they wouldn't be that hard. You know, there's got to be a drop zone below because trapdoors. Right. Probably like fifteen or twenty of them. But that but fifteen that, or twenty of them located on the stage right. that they could drop and then bring back up. It would be a matter matter of the lighting. Well, the lighting, I think, most of these theaters can handle. I'm, I'm, yeah. I wonder if they'd actually build up a platform of some kind to, to give you the, the impression. Same of thing. Just, you know, probably like half say, and half. Not everything. You know, I know that, I guess, probably, I, I'm sure that the touring companies, I, you can tell, are divided into, okay, this is an A city, this is a B city, or whatever. And my guess is, because Detroit used to be where they tried out a lot of shows before. And went to yeah. Um, There's and, a lot of Broadway so, so history. Detroit actually has, Detroit. and Detroit has oh, yeah. some great stages mm-hmm. um, but that are probably underused today. But um, you know, likewise. But you know, Toledo maybe not as great. You know, it's a good stage. I but, do know when I saw Les Mis and, for something different. When I saw Les Mis and Stranahan, they did have the one, the one turn. Uh, I know I've seen Les Mis probably more than any other. And uh, a lot of times they have that double, like um, uh, Hades Town did and it does. But um, I, don't, I, I remember on Stranahan, I only saw the one. But I've never seen it in another show at the Stranahan either. So I don't know if it, uh, if, if like what you're in. saying, if they brought it in themselves. Yeah. Which was something well, we had come, questioned. Come from away. 
I, I've yep. seen oh, that. That's right. Come from away, and that have. has the rotating. I take that back. Yes, yep. you're right. Well, Thank when you. we were at the Fisher Thank to see Dear Evan Hansen, it was like there are two platforms two things so it's like do they bring them in or does the fisher have it but i remember that they use that also in hamilton so that may be built into the fisher stage now yeah um i just don't know but you know i, I imagine cities like detroit and cleveland that you know were much bigger at one time probably have theaters that outsize the the size of the city today um and so if you live in detroit cleveland pittsburgh i betcha you should be real thankful because you probably have theaters that are just better equipped than anything they're going to see in uh, cities of now even larger sizes like Dallas, uh, you know San Diego, some of the newer cities because they grew lately. But you know Detroit, Cleveland, they were big when these theaters, you know, theater was the thing mm -hmm. coming up, and so your theaters mm -hmm. were, were built that way. That's a my opinion, not theory. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm sure Dallas has some fine theaters too, uh, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, I That's, love it. In fact, because I was surprised, I had to look up Hades Town because apparently I wasn't—it was not the story I thought it was. Mm -hmm. I thought it had more to do with uh, Hades and his taking of Persephone. Oh yeah, no. Although she is a main player in well, of course. this, yeah. she was yeah. queen of the underworld. Sure, um, yeah. but no, it's it's more of a side story of okay, getting. Yeah. getting uh, Orpheus uh, and Orpheus and Eurydice. Euripides. No, not Euripides. It was Eurydice. Eurydice. E-U-R-Y-D-I-C-E, I think. Yeah, I can never pronounce it either. It's, I just can't say it's all so. Greek to me. <laughs> uh, I just go by the dreaming. Uh, uh, huh? Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, you got that in there. Okay. <laughs> Stick with your daddy warbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Ding, we got it mentioned. <laughs> but the... Um, <laughs> But you know, so, but Greek mythology is, you know, how rich that is for theater. Oh yeah, when you think about it, yeah, you know. definitely. But anyway, so yeah, um, that was the first show we saw, and I and uh, we both really walked out of it totally blown away. It's like now yeah. that's Broadway. You said it's kind of that New Orleans feel too. Yeah, it's got oh. that jazz and that yeah, that Creole so, sound. So is it set in the New Orleans time frame, like the twenties or it, it very much okay. a lot of it, yes. The 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 uh the the um fates, the three fates all have that sort of twenties um Flap, flapper. I flapper. Can, flapper. I, I wanted to say yapper, and I knew that was wrong. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the flapper look, and they had the the um, fans. Fans. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Bob. It's hot. Uh, yes, and you know they would sing their songs, and they coerce the characters here and there, and yeah, it was. Ooh, so, so it was this is the first one you saw of three. Uh, this was the first of the three, and it set the bar very high. It did set the bar okay. very high. All right. Yes, I look forward to the next Which reviews. Is what made the other two such a disappointment? <laughs> no, 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 no. To be continued. Yep. To be continued. Yep. Until later. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> wait, wait. So do I get oh, to wait. get sent out to review something now? Sure. I want to go to New York. Sure. Well, <laughs> the way it works is go out and see something, then uh, come back and we'll, we'll okay. ask you about it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ain't All nobody right. here paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> Here's our budget. Dang. So. <laughs> the budget's very similar to our show budget. Oh, okay. So. Um, though that doesn't, you know, that we are hoping still uh, to get a bunch of the groupies together. To, mm -hmm. our, our ultimate goal is to take a groupies trip to New York City, take a bunch of our friends with us. Don't know. We haven't figured out how we're going to make that work yet, but we think it's possible. Um, and our short-term goal is um, ACTFest 
here in Michigan is, is if we are not performing in because I understand the as I'm recording this today on we're recording this today on December 12th I we <laughs> um, they just announced the registration for ActFest is opened um, which is on to be held on March 17th over at the Lebowski Theater in Michigan and that's in Owasso um, it's great fun they can uh, have up to 10 different uh, theaters compete and even if uh, we aren't in it we would love to go see it just because hey to see 10 shows even and granted these are one hour long cuttings of shows but to see 10 shows snippets of them what a better way to get some interesting ideas to take back to your own theater group and uh, we have done we have done this over the years as community players either participated or seen it ourselves and we have come back with ideas that we have put onto our own stage yep and there's been great drama in the theaters there's times where an actor will literally freeze and everybody in the audience is going come on you can do it you can do it you can do it you can do it mm-hmm. and then he gets back on and it's like floodgates open everybody yeah uh, well <laughs> that's cool and well one of the differences of course is because it's a theater audience oh t- uh, you totally everybody right. in totally. that audience has been where that actor was <clears throat> and they are just waiting to you know it's you can't find a more supportive audience more supportive but more critical too i think as i've gotten more involved the in theater i i look at things with a more critical eye than i did before oh sure oh yeah well and you should mm-hmm. um because i think ultimately that's that's the thing you can talk like a hades town got half, all these wonderful production values but if the acting isn't there the singing isn't there it's all wasted money mm-hmm. even if an usher is a snarky the person getting you to the water is snarky that affects your opinion of the show your your whole overall experience. The whole experience and you know what i never thought i would be this way but i've become like the blue hairs if i can't hear if i can't hear oh it sets the whole mm-hmm. sure. tone poor for me sure poor poor sound poor lighting boring blocking those three things oh so you saw an officer and a gentleman too <laughs> <laughs> well and, and that's interesting because um what you just said kathleen because carol uh, one of our other groupies was um, she apparently saw Tina Turner the musical oh um, just this past weekend we'll, we're going to bring her on for a, a thing a but she said she was upset she at the Detroit Opera House that the audiences were just amazingly rude and I have never experienced that at at a at a professional theater I have to say this and I I don't want to save this because I but will you have. but I <laughs> and you will go ahead because <laughs> and because it has to do with another show and we won't talk about the show. I saw, because we've talked about what the hell's wrong with audiences, and we have, I thought, nailed every single thing we've ever seen. I saw something brand new this time around. I saw two people go to a seat, to to their seats, which were, it was a small theater, it was the third show we saw, a small theater, and their seats were in the far corner, and they walked down, they looked at those seats, they (laughs) talked to each other, they looked at the person and said, no, we're not taking those. We'll sit right here and sat in the seats in front of us. And the person said, you can't. And they said, we are. And the person walked away like, I'm not going to argue with you. And all of a sudden, in the middle of Act 1, we saw another person come down. I think it was the house manager and was whispering to him. And they were shaking their head. And and when Act 1 was over, two people who were supposed to be in those seats, who had been forced to sit in the back, came down and then they had the house manager and two other really big guys and said, 
you move. And then they looked and said, well, can we, Noah's been sitting in this one down here, but we don't want the seats we bought. And they went, that's fine. You move wherever, but these people get those seats, their seats. And I thought, what the hell's wrong with audiences? That, that's appalling. That's I mean, so that's, rude. That's, I mean, it was off Broadway. It wasn't Broadway, but it doesn't soul. matter. So they bought cheaper seats, didn't like them, so they said we're going to move to the expensive seats. Meanwhile, the other people who should have been there before the show started. There is that, yes. Um, they should have been ejected. Yeah, amazing. And yeah, and that was a new one, and I, I was, and that's yeah. So I didn't, I had to share it now because I, I would forget. And that's, yeah, I mean, what's the point of having assigned seating? Yeah, if people aren't going to sit where they're assigned. Yeah. And are those people going to get their money docked? Uh, I mean, get their money back for that section of time that they were thrown oh, out of their own seats? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't or know the if they got tickets. A, yeah, I don't know if they or something. Got you know, I don't know. Yeah. But but that was. And, and however, I tried to. <laughs> During Act One, did you try and strike up a conversation with these people? No, but I purposely, when I would cross my leg, I would make sure that my coat, because it was on the thing, it kept hitting the woman in the back of the head. <laughs> and I know it was annoying her, but I thought I don't care. And of course, my husband's looking at me like, "Why? Why are you doing stuff like this?" And I'm like, "Because they've irritated me. This is not the way you act in theater. Oh you must God. pay the price." Yes. Oh my yeah, God. And now we're going to find out they're loyal listeners to the show. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't name what show it was. And then they'll they'll figure it out. They'll figure oh it out. I gosh. thought that voice sounded familiar. Shame, shame on you then. Shame, shame on Ho- you. Hopefully there aren't too many people that think, is he talking about me? Gosh, I hope not. I, d- I, did, I may have during intermission also quite loudly said something about being privileged or something like that. But well, you know, just, uh, just three drops me. of poison in the ear. <laughs> yeah. So when, anyway, when, I just when, had to share that. Yeah. Thank you. No, I mean, when, so when we look for the breakdown of society, that's where it starts, folks, in our local theaters. In our theaters. And this wasn't local theater. This was a off Broadway. Off Broadway. Theater. I thought it was going to be your story of like candy wrappers or something. No, oh. that's why I said it was something totally <laughs> that we had never mentioned before, and I was like, no, this is a new one. Mm-hmm. I've never. I I mean, I've seen people after Act One or something. It's like at intermission, go like, "No one's sitting there. I'll just sneak over there." Sure, but that's what they do. They sneak over there. Yeah, I yeah. don't don't say well, no. We don't we don't accept this. The old stories of Broadway, they did acting students would get the cheapest seats or just wait, hang around outside until intermission is called, and then walk right in with the paying customers. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That I can I can see that as being acceptable. That's a Broadway tradition. Hmm. Uh, my guess is the theater owners might have a different I think different they would take disagree. on that. <laughs> but again, you, you know, who's going to stop you? Yeah, because yeah. um, they they aren't checking your tickets. Well, I don't know. It depends how when I'm going to shows they check your tickets. It depends where they check your tickets at the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, um, we we talk a lot about the Strand and the shows or the theaters around us. You have two places they check your tickets, at the main door, and then, of course, when you're going to take your seat. Well, once you're inside the main theater, there's no problem. But if you were to step outside, I don't know, because I, I don't smoke, so I don't go outside again. Yeah. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if they do uh, check your ticket again when you come back in that door. They haven't for me. And, and I don't go out every time, but once in a while, because I am a smoker. Yeah. And every once in a while. Uh. <laughs> And I, yeah, every once in a while. So if you only want to see half a show, <laughs> if that's all you can afford, and you want to learn well, the craft by observing. But and you know, Act Two is usually too long anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's usually too long. That's a new running joke. That's a, yeah. Act Two, you're about about twenty minutes usually. 
that rule seems to hold true <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's thank you so much for your reporting, and Brian, and uh, uh, or so good. Um, anyone else see anything new lately? Nope. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> no time lately. No time. <laughs> just uh, just a reminder: if you have not seen um, the show that went wrong on um, the YouTube channel, there is a the show that went wrong. Christmas Carol on YouTube. Just do searching. And if you thought ours was interesting. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yes, yes. Is it, is it the show or the play that went wrong? This is the show. It is a Christmas special from the, the BBC. Okay. They, I, I was just thinking when they're searching, though, I, I don't know if they. You know, it's it, the it show the that went wrong or the play that went wrong. Okay. It's there, and it's hilarious. Oh, absolutely hilarious. And we, we will be hearing about that probably next episode or so. Yeah. yeah. One of the next. I got two more. Yeah. I got two more in the can. Okay. But, yeah, so I didn't know they have a Christmas show. But, yeah, that's, that's, those are their They have Christmas shows. Carol, and they have Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. and But the regular show, they only have um, the cast's reaction as they were watching the videotape. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Excellent. Okay, thank you. Um, so, our topic for today, <gasps> if, I mean, now that you've flown off in your we have a topic? copter, we do have a topic for today. It's actually we're, one of the things that kind of come up in our conversations a lot is, is um, this one is actually related to baseball, which which Ron, Ron, Ron's, Ron's, Ron's our expert now. Um, some years ago, a book came out called Moneyball, which was about Billy Bean and the Oakland A's and how they revolutionized the game by paying attention to statistics. One of the things that I know in my business, I get told a lot is measure, 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 you know, get the statistics. I think Kathleen, same kind of thing. Ron, I, I always that. hear if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Yeah. And so, whoa, we're talking about different things, Brian. <laughs> Brian. Has anybody heard me say a word? No, that's why I had to show the face. I have a card for a good lawyer. Brian, Brian has a face made for stage, I will say. That. Um, he can express many emotions and different things. But, but that's the whole point is what should you be looking at? What should you be doing? And should you, one of the things I think we in theaters fall into the trap of is not examining everything. So we always say, well, we've always done it this way, which in any groups will tell you, don't do that. Mm-hmm. We all say that, but the reality is it'll be like, oh, well, we got to save this set piece because we use it. We've used it three times. We're going to use it again someday. But it's like, yeah, but it's taking up space. Mm-hmm. Do we really need it now, or, or is that something that we can paint over or do something different? We need to examine, okay, why are we hanging on to certain things? Why are we always putting the audience in um, this arrangement of the seats? Why do we build our sets at this location, for example? Um, why do we have to have a stage versus raising the audience? Why do we have to sell tickets online? Why do we have to sell tickets in per- you know, whatever the argument may be? Um, do you know we always you know we have to put up flyers why I think we got to ask ourselves why 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 Um, because we got to start other conversations and the thing that the book on Moneyball taught was exactly that it's like they were previous to this time in baseball they basically hired baseball players to run baseball teams 
which seem to make some sense. The trouble is we as people have our feelings that get in the way of reality. So you may feel that the best person to put on first base is someone who catches the ball. Yeah, I mean, I'm just using a wild example. I don't know enough about baseball. When the reality is what you want is a person on first base who can throw the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, very extremely basic. Um, I'm watching Ron. Just an example. And, and so what you say, well, you know, we got to have this guy. Um, and frankly, I'll go back to my nieces. When she was on softball at the University of Michigan, she was a catcher for the first three years. And finally, the coach said, you know, I need somebody at first base who can play you know who can catch a ball why don't i just put my catcher out there that's the kind of thinking you have to have it's not like like gosh i it's not i need another first baseman it's i've got somebody who can catch the ball put them there Mm -hmm. you know and so it's kind of just being willing to think outside the box as they say so that makes me always think what statistics should we be looking at so for example in our shows i think we tend to use the one statistic statistic more often than any other which is how many tickets did we sell Mm -hmm. but that only tells us part of the story for example Mm -hmm. and other groups may be doing this so kathleen from conversation we had if you go buy a ticket for a bench in the sun which is our next coming production um by the time you're hearing this you still have a chance to buy tickets, I think. Because we, we, yes. It's, it'll be at the end of January. Which our own Ron, Ron, Ron Roberts will Ron be directing. Um, we don't know who's in the cast yet as, as of this, this recording. Um, but tickets are out there on sale. I added in the columns, how did you hear about the show? And hopefully people will respond. I heard it from a flyer, a poster. I heard it from social media. I heard it from a cast member. Or I heard it on the newspaper. Okay. You know, just basic things. We put, So, for example, we put up flyers. We feel strongly about having to put up flyers, but nobody knows if they actually are seen by anybody. So we need. So let's make an attempt to try to see if the flyers work. I love working with the social media stuff, but I don't know if anyone's coming to see a show because we put it on Facebook. Let's see if that's why they're buying the ticket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yep. We know that cast can sell tickets, and that's one of the things we have from... Uh, this Christmas, a Christmas Carol that we had just closed is the, the cast actually sold tickets directly to their friends. We now know how many people came to that show specifically because of other people in the show because the cast sold those tickets. Everyone else we can presume some things about, but we don't know 100% for sure. But we know that 40 some people showed up because they got sold the ticket by a cast member. Mm-hmm. Um, the other 200 some. We don't know for sure. Um, so that that's the kind of thing. So it's like, so so there it is. What kind of statistics really should we be looking at? What should we be measuring as a theater group? Um, and how do you get down to the, and how far do you go with making that guide your decisions? For example, we know as a group that we've done mostly comedies over our history, our 70-some-plus-year history. We know that they sell well. Does that mean we only do comedies because they sell? Or do we say that the comedies help fund the rest of the shows so we can expand artistically? You know, where is that line? Uh, Christmas Carol, did that, you know, we all, every show should be an artistic success. But the reality is we needed Christmas Carol because we knew it would sell and would help us fund um, the next several shows coming forward that we didn't think would sell quite as well. Now, maybe they will. You know, if we're doing our job right, in theory, every show, show should be a sellout because people are going to want to come see our stuff because we tell a good story. Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. And for me, the bottom line is, 
telling a good story. Uh, no matter what the show is, you got to tell the story. You got to have the actors that can sell that story and and make the audience yeah, want to hear. How do you measure that? How do you quantify that? Well, one thing you have to be careful about too is numbers can be misleading. Yep. You can interpret numbers any way you want. And to throw a quick baseball one in here, uh, <clears throat> run batted in or RBI, as is known in some circles, is a, is a big number. Um, the leaders from this past year of the major leagues were Pete Alonso and, and Aaron Judge. Both drove in 131 runs. Okay, So on the surface, it looks as if they both had the same type of year. Aaron Judge, for those of you who know or will follow social media or baseball, was just uh, won the MVP award because he set the American League record for home runs in 62 in a season. Now, out of those 131 runs, 62 of them were himself because he gets credit for the home run. Mm-hmm. So really, he only drove in 69 teammates. Okay, So remember that. Pete Alonso also drove in 131 runs, but he only hit 40 home runs. So he actually drove in 91 of his teammates. But in the way that the numbers are looked at, Aaron Judge is considered the more valuable player because he hits the home run and he sells the jerseys, he sells the tickets. Mm-hmm. So that's where numbers can be manipulated and you can look at things and say, this show sold the same amount of tickets as this show, but really what impact did it have for the group? Were there other you know, mitigating factors that they do other things, were concessions or were t-shirt sales, whatever else you can bring in as forms of income. Right. So you have to make sure that you look at all of those things. So kind of like the whole... Lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So, so if we were to break that down into the theater terms for us, we can't just look at tickets sold right. in Christmas Carol. We have to sit, you know. So if you're going to start with here's the income it brought in, we have to look at what were the different sources of that income. How much did we make in our concession stands, which we do track separately? How much did we make from a raffle that we happen to hold during the show, um, which is legal? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that didn't come up. That didn't come up again. Well, did it? check you know check the laws in your own state, <laughs> um, but because sometimes you, you you can do it wrongly and get into real trouble. But um, <sighs> but check check your own municipalities and your own state laws, um, and we have to see how many were tickets. And then, like I say, further it seems to me we have to break down where do those tickets come from if we can possibly find that information, um, and we probably need to divide by cast size. Oh, definitely. Yes. Definitely that cast is a huge impact yeah. in ticket sales. Well, and, and that's the thing. Based on raw numbers, maybe not so much because about maybe a fifth of them came from direct ticket sales from the audience, from the cast. Mm-hmm. We know that our, um, we don't know how many people might have bought tickets if they hadn't bought those because once we announced sold out, you know, we don't know what the demand was behind it. We do know that because once you say one show is sold out, then this the other shows start selling a little better. Um, but so 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 I think to that degree. But I still think there's an impact because if we most people are coming because they know someone in the audience, which I hope is not the case actually, um, then obviously a large cast audience is going to sell more tickets than a small cast. But you do have to also look into how many cast members are selling those tickets. Because if you have a cast of 22 and, say, each person is responsible for four, there's there's a sellout show. Mm-hmm. However, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I do have access to that. I know that for a fact, and this is not a, a negative, but for this particular show, not every cast member sold tickets. 
So you can't, granted, yes, it did help having 22 people sell tickets, but not all of them sold them at the same level. So there, that has to be quantified as well. Well, even though a cast member might not have personally sold a ticket, they I had people that bought them online. Right. So Exactly. Mean, yeah. yeah. So it, it's not a clean, easy thing to measure exactly uh, you know how that was sold. And I think you adding that little bit about how Hopefully did you hear about the show will help you know, funnel us in the right direction as to where people are hearing yeah. and how to best reach them. Because, again, if we're going to make a business decision about what shows we should put on, you know, if we, that's then where the tricky part comes from. Okay, a cast of 20 will sell out every time. A cast of three won't. Does that mean we stop doing shows with a cast of three? My argument would be no, but we just know that we have to put in the bigger shows to sell out to make sure we can fund those smaller shows. Mm-hmm. Or you could have two casts. That still going gets you six in the one. And <laughs> well, but yeah, but you, you can always it. get the numbers up. You've doubled it. Well, and we we're talking about that uh, with uh, uh, love, love letters love coming letters. up. Um, which we have the rights for, so we can announce it. Yes. <laughs> after after uh, Ron's directorial debut, I'll be directing Love Letters. Yeah, and Brian is talking about having three different casts. Because be it is a two-person show. Um, it's a Reader's Theater-style production, by the way. And I guess I just want to clarify my comments about cast-sold tickets. Um, from a logistics standpoint, I would prefer there not be cast pre-sale tickets just from from my my aspect of being the treasurer and also running the box office that could be a logistical nightmare so whereas the cast will sell tickets um i would prefer that they would direct those people to the website which this time of course obviously we had some hiccups so we couldn't do that but i guess i just wanted to clarify if anybody who's listening out there i'm not against cast selling tickets i just would prefer in in general to keep one level of of ticket sale which would be the electronic which is just easier from a logistical standpoint. Yeah. Well, and to Kathleen's point too, you know, cast do sell tickets ultimately as well because they're the ones we never know about. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But they were guided towards there. But the but that's kind of goes back to that why question because the question was why don't we let the cast sell tickets? That's a good question. Well, partly the answer was because logistically it was more difficult to sell out because after all, if you've got cast who have all taken 10 tickets each, those are 10 tickets you can't sell online. Right, right. How do you um, keep you have track a cast, of that? If you have a cast of 20, of we could potentially had 200 tickets out to the cast, which meant we couldn't sell any tickets online. And then if the cast come back and say, oh, we only sold two or three, we now only have a couple of days to make up this huge difference. Not only that, but the manpower for selling manual tickets, um, because I know it took away from Val's time as a director to be passing out tickets and collecting money. And that's not where her time was, should have been best spent yeah. on the last show. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. So it unfortunately became kind of a necessity because we were having issues with our, our, our payment gateway. Um, but the reality is we have tools that we can use, um, and if, but now we gotta figure out how are we gonna make those tools work in the way that gives us the most information, I think. Um, and most groups out there, I think if I, if I were to do a poll, because I've looked at a lot of other groups are doing, most groups are using the electronic means to sell tickets these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine there's some groups out there that still may be completely manual. Because what's interesting is here we're worried about pre-sale. Well, you know, back in the day when I joined players, there was no real such thing. <clears throat> no. 
Um, we did do pre-sale through some businesses, perhaps, you know, some, you, you could buy your tickets there, but we depended mostly on people just showing up at the door. Mm-hmm. When we were performing in a 500-seat auditorium, no problem. But when we're performing in a house that seats 80 at best, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Yeah. Well, that, did that include the, so that included, um, because for a long time, especially when I uh, first joined, it was mostly dinner theater, except for the one musical now, that we, we were always, doing. we were doing dinner you know, theater, that was all reservation. Well, that's you had, true. You, you had, you had, to, had know, to have it. Yeah. You had to know the um, food count. Yeah, you're food. right. But what you also did then is I don't think we didn't have the capability to take money over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, because credit cards today are much more prevalent than they were 40 years ago even. Um, you know, so we depended on people showing up at the door to actually get the money, I think, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yep. Didn't we have the cha-chunk, cha-chunk machine? Yep, oh, once upon a time. Yeah. <laughs> that good old cha-chunk, cha-chunk machine. The carbons. Yep, you, you had to do yeah, the carbons. carbons. You had to actually mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. uh, get the imprint of the... Yeah, today's... For those of you born since the year 2000... <laughs> you moved into the cashless society but before it was it was a pain all around oh get the little book out and hook up the last numbers of your credit card to make sure it was legit yeah oh, oh my gosh oh, oh I forgot about that oh my yes. gosh oh yeah. and I want my carbons oh. yes you want your yeah, carbons I want my carbons and you put your phone number on there in case you left your card they would be yes. able to call Tell you. you oh my you gosh! Yeah, we yep. were such a trusting society yeah. back then. <laughs> back then, we're what? dating ourselves because people time. were honest then. Yeah. <laughs> you kids today, yeah, that's so easy. <laughs> you just locked Otis up in the drunk tank. He'll be all right in the morning. But I, th- I think you've talked touched specifically on a statistic of measuring the success of a show by ticket sales. I think another thing for community theater to be measuring their success is uh, their membership. Yes, the redemption. depth of their yes. membership. Redemption. Redemption. We, what do you mean by depth of re- membership? Uh, not only the people that want to be on stage, but the people that want to be involved. Yep. Um, yes. I remember the very first time I went to a players meeting. My very first meeting was September of 2013. Oh, bloody She remembers the date. I do. I do. Picture and it. <laughs> I really thought I would never be able to be part of this group because I hadn't seen producers. Everybody came up to me and go, did you see producers? Did you see producers? And I'm like, uh, no. And then they'd go talk to somebody else about producers. So I'm like, I'm never going to fit in here. This isn't going to work. <laughs> oh, but I thought, you know, I wanted to get into theater, wanted to get back into it. Hadn't been in it for 30 years. Um, and I thought, well, I'm sure I'm going to have to get involved in tickets, uh, promotions, uh, maybe do something backstage. And um, no, I was blessed that I got to go to my first audition and and get my first part right out of the gate. And Val approached me and she said, you know, I'm going to be directing Odd Couple and you have the right look playing opposite, you know, the age group that that we're looking in. And I remember calling my son on the way home going, I don't know, what do you think? What do you think? He says, mom, 50% of getting the part is looking the part. Go for it, you know. But um, I I just, we've lost that, that depth of people that are passionate about the lights, passionate about the props, passionate about the costumes. We burn out the people that we've got. We have to measure our success also. Not only is was the show a good sellout, you know, did we make money on it? Did people enjoy it? But how is our membership? How do we measure the health of our membership? And we've discussed that in the past as well and you and you hit the nail right on the head because in in some community theater groups 
there are so many there are members that have been there for so long um, that there is only one way. It's the same way that that from that they did it in 1958, 1962, 1973, and they're not open uh, for. for for that for for a change and to get new members in you've got to be able to open your heart and open your mind and say what are your ideas what you know what can you what can you present to help us expand um our our uh, our our membership and and that sort of thing well once again brian's just talking nonsense so <laughs> <laughs> again brian <laughs> I'm I'm teasing, but I, I, Bob walked out. So I, don't know. Yeah, I know he got up. He's leaving. <laughs> but I agree. I mean, that's and that's the hardest thing to do. Let's face it. Yeah. Um, I want to be in every show. I want to be. I want to direct every show. I want to do everything. Um, but the reality is, that's the way to kill the group because at some point, yeah, um, maybe within a minute here, you know, I I'll be gone. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's the reality. At any moment, and and I'm not just saying this because I was at a, a funeral of a dear friend today. Uh, but but the reality is, uh, I you know we will, none of us are forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, God knows it seems like some of us are. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, none of us are forever. Um, and and that and that's the thing. You got to be willing to change. Um, and I think we have to have an appreciation to, to your point about what do people want. I've always said actors are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. I we will always find more actors. But you get somebody who understands the light board, hang on to them. She or he is worth their weight, literally, in, in costume and, and or sex adam, adamantium. Are we, mentoring, <laughs> are we mentoring people and learning the light board? Getting right. comfortable with lights, getting comfortable with sound, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to, to measure that depth, I think that's, that's a tricky part. Is how, do you, you know, how do you say that this is a good mix for our, our group? Because the reality is, too, as a community theater, we, we are open to the community. Mm-hmm. You walk in, by golly, I would hope you're being welcomed with open arms, um, which is always confusing because sometimes I think we someone walks in, we welcome with open arms, and then they say, "Yeah, no, I'm not," and you know, then we don't see them again. Maybe after one, two meetings. Um, so obviously we didn't fit, fit their needs, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't because we weren't welcoming, or was it just they their life changed and they just said, "Yeah, this takes up much too much time." Because we all know community theater takes a lot of time. Well, I, I, can, whenever you're yeah. working with people, I mean, that extra reach out, you know, interest, listen. Uh, I think a lot of times our, our senior people like to talk more than actually listen. Like, what what are you interested in? What would you like? Can I mentor you mm-hmm. in this area or that area yeah. uh, we have our strong personalities that run it their way and um certainly not in this room no no i'm not talking about anybody personally no we're as meek as they come <laughs> but i i think that is is you know we can put on some fabulous shows and we will find some wonderful actors and people all pull together and make it come together in an unbelievable way that is miraculous. And it's one of the things I love about our group and theater in general. Um, if, if audiences could see how far we came from day one to where we are, uh, when a show goes out, they would be even more odd. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, to sustain, to stay another 80 years, or we need to, and I think finally having our own space 
to call our own, not haul our props around and our sets and be stuck with somebody else's dates. Why don't we have one of our um, <clears throat> meetings be on lighting? And here, look, here's the lighting board. Here's what it can do. We've come so far mm-hmm. in such a short amount of time since we've been at the mall from in, in this hiccup of having to move spaces. But what we've gotten to now, mm-hmm. um, let's build on it. Uh, we had to, our lighting or our sound person, um, we lost him right like the week of the show, the week before the show. And one of the parents stepped up and, and took on sound and, you know, that's fantastic, but I'm sure there's more people that would be interested oh, yeah. if they if it wasn't a pinch situation. Right. You know, can I that you actually get comfortable with it? You know, mm-hmm. it's one thing to jump in with both feet to rescue mm-hmm. what you is a problem, and we do have people that will do this. The parents have been phenomenal. Yes, especially with this show, mm-hmm. watching the kids jumping in whenever needed grabbing scenery it was wonderful and i think that's one i think that is one of the things that will retain people is that they want to feel useful and be part of it that's true and especially the last night uh, it was people were getting their stuff and they're going out the door and everybody was like well i hope to see you again it's like no no you will your family you're adopted now yeah. And that one girl was just like almost in tears. It's like, oh my God, I'm sorry. And, and there's nothing, you know, you can't, you can't underestimate the value of community in the, in the theater. Absolutely. Um, but to kind of get, we've gone a little bit on tangent here, but because it's more about volunteer retention. But again, so how do you measure when you actually have a good show? Because again, I think we can all agree it's ticket sales are not it. Mm-hmm. Uh, ticket sales just say you have a popular show. Yep. Yeah. Um, but but into Bob's point, okay, great. This show we had had some young people in it, so we had parents around. And let's remind everybody and that the next like, show, this show we are talking about is a Christmas, Christmas Carol, 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 which yeah. happened in December, yeah. and you're listening to this in January. Yes. So, but yes. Yeah. But the the next show, A Bench in the Sun, has three people, three mature people. I can pretty much guarantee the parents won't be around for this cast no. to help out. <laughs> Um, you know, it's it's just it's, that's how longevity works. Yes, but I'm also curious to see, uh, and and I'm crossing my fingers, and I'm hoping that all these these people that that in that Christmas Carol who said yes, we're coming back, I want to see him come back yeah. because you know words are a dime a dozen, but you know if 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 and and it was a strong cast. And I would love to see, and I hope that 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 happens. That that in our next meeting or our next few shows, we see at least some of those people filtering and saying, "Hey, what what can I do to help you with this? What can There's I do?" There's your help statistic. You There's your statistic. Mm-hmm. We had a cast of this many. How many? How many come see? back? So we, how many we almost, stay involved? Yeah, so we almost have to have a list saying, "Here's the cast list," and at at the next meeting or the next show. At the next meeting or the next show, we almost have to take that list and say, okay, here's who showed up last time. Did they show up this time? Mm-hmm. And then, because again, if we're doing that in, in higher education, we do that with our students. You know, what's our retention rate? That's one of our key indicators. Maybe, reten- maybe we should be thinking about retention rate in theaters. How many of your volunteers come back? Yeah. yeah. You know, we all know people come and go, but do you know 
because because frankly, if we're seeing, we don't know what the baseline is, but if we're seeing, you know, that only ten percent of the people ever come back, maybe you got a culture problem that you got to change, or maybe it could be the, or it could be the shows that you've chosen to do don't appeal to that group, such as they were here for. Oh, my kid can be in this. My granddaughter can be in this. I'll be here for it. Yeah, it's going to be mature. I don't need to be reminded what of what I see in the mirror. Never know. Yeah. Um, so your point, Kathleen, but those are those are kind of things we have to figure out. Okay, so we did this type of show. Here's who came back. We did this type of show. Here's who didn't come back. You know, maybe maybe it's someone we only see once a year at Christmas time because they love to do a Christmas carol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then we know. Okay, this is who we can count on be here for christmas carol mm-hmm. i remember after we did greece greece was a huge young cast mm-hmm. um, and the the next players meeting was packed because we encourage everybody come to the players meeting you're now a member you're a paying member mm-hmm. you know and and i think by the, the the meeting thereafter they weren't there so what was not going on at the next meeting that kept their interest well probably to bob's point just wasn't the right show coming up it's a show, but how do we get them involved in something else then of it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't be in the good show unless you work on the bad shows. <laughs> Putting it bluntly. I mean, we never want to get to the or, point where or we're... The, you can't be in the show you want to be in, but you don't work <laughs> in the shows you don't want to be in. I mean, you got to pay your dues. I remember, was it, was it Music Man? Backstage for Music Man oh. was Bill McCluskey, Jeff Finley... Norb, myself. Mm-hmm. You had four very seasoned actors that were moving set so pieces. Yeah. Of course, yeah. somebody somehow found a way for you know Bill and Jeff to get on stage. <laughs> other than that point, you know. <clears throat> Shut. She's just been groupied. <laughs> She's been groupied right there, uh, folks. Uh, welcome to the family. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and that goes back, and, and and this is again my opinion. But this goes back to something we've talked about uh, in previous uh, podcasts as well. If you are, if you love theater and you are committed to theater, then you want to help support the group, the community, the people, the organization. Uh, and 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 since Bob has been so wonderfully blunt, I, I'll, I'll do the same thing with with Christmas Carol. When I, you know. I, again, don't care for the show, but I made sure I did all I could do to help. I made a video to, to promote, to help promote in that. And I was, you know, I, I, I came and supported the show because I love community, community players and I love uh, the people that are in it. So I don't care if I don't like the show, I'm going to do what I can. But, and, and, and I'm not just narrowing this down to Monroe Community Players people. It's everywhere. There are people in every one of these community player groups that, no matter how long they've been in it, they go, hmm, don't like the show, ain't going to help you. And to me, that says, well, then you really aren't committed to the organization. You're committed to doing what you want to do. And that you can't have a strong organization when you have people like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but I think, um, being the, putting on my curmudgeon hat, <laughs> um, I think that that's a shift we've seen, though, in society. I don't think people want to belong to groups so much anymore. It's, mm. it's a little more quid pro quo. It's like, what are you going to give me, and then I'll help you for this. 
Um, and that's and that's something I've seen over you know the four last forty years or so. Yeah. Um, because you know it, if you look back fraternal societies, for example, heyday of uh, Masons, and I'm going to suspect, and I only suspect, eagles lot or eagles moose and all them was in the late fifties. Mm-hmm. That that was a peak, and it's gone downhill ever since. Mm-hmm. So this isn't something new. But and if you look at churches, same thing. There was a peak, and it's gone downhill. Mm-hmm. Even though there are more people alive today than ever at any time in history, um, and in this country. So so things have changed to some degree that people aren't joining for some reason, and we aren't going to solve that problem. No. Well, professional sports has the same issue where people have become fans of the player and not the team mm-hmm. um you know they're they're more adept to what's on the back of the jersey than what's on the front right. um you know and and some organ some groups have have really played into that the nfl has i mean fantasy football is one of the biggest things in the world and you could be watching you could be a lions fan and actually root against them because they're playing against somebody who's on your team yeah. so it, it 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 is a societal thing to where people are just more of an individualized thing and i think with our organization, as an example, you may be a fan of one of the actors, and you're really not a fan of the group. And I think that's where the the, the uh, delineation needs to happen. Yeah. And and yeah, we've always used the actors as a selling point. You know, we announce our cast so people can say, "Oh, there's my buddy or friend who's in the in the cast." So we can we see that, and we went to space sell some tickets just because of that. Um, you know, uh, I have my own Bob Yeoman personalized cape at home. <laughs> you too yeah <laughs> you know because you know, we got to have these things um you know we follow our fans uh or our our, our, our favorites um and there's some shows you know if, uh, if bill mccluskey's in a show i know i'm going to yeah, see it absolutely definitely um but but for example um you know not everyone has that kind of following even among their peers I just think it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yes, but but so in terms of to, towards our topic. Yes, because this is a baseball uh, podcast after all. <laughs> um, <laughs> getting back to Moneyball, I'm kidding. Um, but you know, but the, but it, I think it's still it's that thing. How do we measure it? So I love the idea of measuring retention of our volunteers, and and maybe you know, maybe your group does that already. You've figured out, hey, we've called this person three times, they haven't responded. Off the list they go. Um, because I'm thinking of our mailing list, for example, I happen to know there's about 135 people who haven't opened an email from us in two years. Oh mm. my gosh! Yeah, some of oh them. My gosh. Some of them are names that would be recognized quickly in this group. Mm-hmm. You know, you would all recognize some of these names, and it's like that's interesting because some of them are people who have been around and have been participating. They just don't read the emails. Yeah. So the question is, do I drop them? Or do I keep them on because I've seen them elsewhere? Um, and the only reason I'm concerned about dropping them is because you know emails are cheap, but the service that provides the emails aren't. And we're we're at our limit. We need to 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 lower them down so we don't get charged more for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing because in our branding discussion that we had way back in episode fourteen or whatever, <laughs> some, <laughs> somewhere around there, um, that's our running gag. So it's episode fourteen. Um, we talked about. You know, we shouldn't be worried about the people who don't open the emails or drop them because we weren't going to sell them a ticket anyway. You know, and if they want to see what we're doing, they'll say, hey, why don't I get your emails anymore? My guess is I can drop every 135 of them. We won't hear boo. Yeah. Um, even though they are people who we know that some of them, a few of them are people that I know I will see again at the next audition. 
because the, the email time. doesn't interest them. Being there does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm notorious for not opening emails, so mm-hmm. <laughs> that's probably my name on that list. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, but on the other side, it's like, but then I don't want to hear complaints when they say, well, nobody told me. It's right. like, we told you these three different ways. So you chose not to look at those ways. What are our three different ways? Um, to do, to, you get a weekly email from us or Facebook, or you can attend a meeting. Okay. So, I mean, there are different ways people can be informed by us. Um, most prevalent one we use, and we say when they sign up for like a ticket or something, you know, emails or membership right on there if they're paying online. Emails are the primary way that we contact our, our, our members. So, you know, give us your email address. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't have to. Take and, us off your garbage list. And and we've also got a, uh, uh, a bond with them because we've promised never to sell their stuff to somebody outside. Um, you know, because that's the main reason people don't want to be an email list is because their email gets sold. The next thing you know, they got 15,000 other emails. Um, you know, but we're only going to sell what we can. And yes, we are running out of time. Yeah, so they close at 5 so They close. Yes. So, well, sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> our studio time is for the abrupt Indian. Plus, I've, I've got someone I've got to go myself. Um, well, I always, I'd always love to give a Dave's diatribe at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's close as we're going to get there. Um, but thank you for once again joining us. Um, uh, it looks like we're about out of time for this episode because we're about to lock the door. Um, and I'd like to thank you all for listening in as we appreciate each and every one of you. Um, and I'm still going to say it. We love you. And I want to say, before you continue, welcome to the Green Room Groupies, Kathleen. This is your second one. Two times. Yep, Thank your second you. one. You're you're an official groupie now. All right, that's official. We got. We you'll have to buy us a t-shirt. Okay, I have to. I have to buy you a. T-shirt? You got to buy us all t-shirts. Oh, yeah. t-shirts okay. with your name on them. Oh, yep. um, and thank you, like, you in advance. If you like this podcast, please like us, rate us. Um, for more people to find us, you just you know it really helps us if you actually give us a rating so people know to find us. Um, wherever you listen to us, help spread the word that we are here. Don't forget that we'd love to know where you are listening to us from. Um, not just our fans in Indianapolis or, or our fans in California, our fans in West Michigan. We'd really like to know where you are. So um, send us an email, MoneroCommunityPlayers at Yahoo.com. Be sure to let us know if it's okay to read your email on the podcast. We'll give you a shout out probably in any case. Uh, more Groupies Fun over at our MCP podcast page on Facebook. Look for Monroe Community Players on Facebook where, and the website, MonroeCommunityPlayers.org. Be sure you're looking for Monroe Community Players, Monroe, Michigan, because there's other Monroes out there. Uh, it's actually a very popular city name. Um, and the president, <laughs> yeah, some, some people see Monroe, but we say Monroe. Um, but yeah, I bought Brian shake his head at me. So <laughs> the art and business of community theater has been a production of Monroe community players and was recorded high atop the Benish building at the Monroe public access cable television podcast studio known as impact in beautiful downtown Monroe, Michigan. We are the groupies and we will see you in the green room. This one was better than cats. <laughs> Thank you.